0: Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the final chapters of Mark's Gospel, entitled A Saviour's Love. Our reading from Mark this morning is Mark chapter 14, I'm beginning to read at verse 43. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away. Under God. going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind." May God bless the reading of his word. And may he give us understanding to take it in and know what this means. Amen. So we're continuing in Mark's gospel this morning in this series of scriptures which Mike has entitled The Saviour's Love. And we're seeing how the prophecies of long ago are being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And so today we have this short passage which tells of the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, leading to the arrest of Jesus. And it's an account that's found in all four Gospels. It's a shocking account. And many sermons have been preached and books written on the subject of Judas and his betrayal of Jesus. If we put this passage in context, it follows Jesus' anointing by a woman, which was outrageous in those times, with precious perfumed ointment. When Judas, the treasurer of the disciples, was certainly present, and in one gospel, he's shown to be openly critical of that waste of money. In John's gospel, he's accused of being a hypocrite, as he really didn't care about the poor, Or of being a thief. Oh, he was accused of being a thief. And it seems that as keeper of the money, he used to help himself. And then follows the Last Supper, which was Jesus' last opportunity to explain to his disciples what was going to happen. And to prepare them for the events to come. There's the washing of feet, as Jesus demonstrated the servant's heart that would be necessary for his followers And then there was the hijacking of the traditional Passover feast by the introduction, not of the Passover, but of the Lord's Supper. Again, an opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate his future death. And at this meal, there was the handing over of the bread to Judas, the prophetic fulfillment of Psalm 41, verse 9, which says, even my close friend... Whom I trusted, he who shared my bread has lifted his heel against me. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly who had betrayed him. And then, after Judas left, Jesus goes off with his closest disciples to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here, even those closest friends, Peter, James, and John, let him down sleeping instead of praying, dozing instead of supporting and keeping watch. And we heard last Sunday of the agonizing prayer of Jesus to his father, his Abba, when three times he prayed about the ordeal that was to come and how he prayed for that cup of suffering to be taken from him. And yet he was able to say, not what I want, but what you will knowing what was to come, yet placing himself in the will of God. And then Judas arrives with that crowd of armed men sent from the chief priests, the elders and the leaders of the law. There was that prearranged signal, the kiss of betrayal, and Jesus is arrested. And a bit of a scuffle takes place, and one of the high priest's servants has his ear cut off. And John tells us that it was Peter who did this. And Luke reports that even in this mayhem, Jesus calls for order and reaches out his hand to heal. And we know that later, Judas bitterly regretted what he'd done. The 30 pieces of silver that he'd received for this betrayal was the amount that was paid to a slave owner whose slave had been killed by an ox. The priceless Messiah was sold for the price of a slave. Judas gave back the money, but instead of seeking forgiveness, took his own life. Many learned people have written and preached on Judas, why he betrayed Jesus, was he a villain or a stooge, and I've spent some time looking at what both scripture and scholars have said about Judas. But actually, I came to realize that in looking at Judas... I was going in the wrong direction. I was concentrating on the wrong person. It has to be Jesus, not on Judas, that we focus. Rather than looking in depth at the character of Judas, we need to look at Jesus. How does Jesus react to what is happening? First of all, he's prepared. That time of agonized prayer that we heard about last week, has prepared him, has strengthened him, has enabled him to face what he knows is coming. He has an inner peace which enables him to face and endure what has to come. So that he rises calmly to face his attackers in verse 42. and says, rise, let us go from here. Here comes my betrayer. He doesn't turn to run, to try to escape or to hide. He turns to meet them face to face. And there's a lesson here for us. Whatever we are facing, we need to turn to our Heavenly Father and cry out to him. The psalmist in Psalm 121 says, Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. And it's only in that mighty strength and power that we can face and come through the situations that we fear and dread. And then as Judas comes with a crowd of armed men, there's that prearranged signal. Judas will greet Jesus with a kiss, which was a common greeting amongst men in those days, as it still is now in the Middle East. And in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus replies to that kiss by saying, My friend, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Despite knowing why Judas is here and what he's doing, Jesus still calls him my friend. There's no anger, there's no panic from Jesus, there's no protestation, there's no accusation, simply a calm and gentle response. He affirms Judas's actions, knowing that this is all part of the plan. The account in John's gospel is slightly different. Here, Judas arrives with a, a large contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards. There are blazing torches, there are lanterns, there are weapons. And verse 4 of chapter 18 says, Jesus fully realized what was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? he asks. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. The I am was a declaration of who he was the I am of the burning bush, Almighty God. That power and awesome presence of God must have been immense to cause this troop of Roman soldiers and temple guards to fall to the ground. Yet Jesus took no advantage of the situation to run away. Instead, he repeats his statement, I am he, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. So here is Jesus, calm, in control, thinking of his followers, offering himself up with no thought of fight or retaliation. The prophecy of Isaiah 53 is being fulfilled. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, Acquainted with deepest grief, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. His disciples, however, were not so calm. We read in all of the Gospels of a scuffle breaking out between the disciples and the guards. We hear that a servant of the high priest named by John as Malchus, has had his ear severed by Peter's sword, and in John's gospel, Peter is told by Jesus to put away his sword. Once again, we see Peter trying to, divert, to divert the purposes of God, trying to find another way out of the situation, but Jesus puts him right: "Shall I not drink?" From the cup of suffering the Father has given me, he asks. And Jesus reaches out his hand and heals the wounded man. How like Jesus, that here in the moment of his arrest, his thought is to heal and to restore. And he says in Matthew's Gospel, put away your sword, for those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how could the scripture be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? What an amazing statement that is. I could ask my father for thousands of angels. Long ago, I heard Louis Palau preaching And Louis Palau was a powerful, still is, I believe, a powerful preacher. And he preached on that verse, I could call 10,000 angels. And he pictured himself in that situation, about to be put on a cross. And he said, if I could call 10,000 angels, you can bet your life I will. And he was just wanting to demonstrate the almighty power of God and who he was. And yes, He didn't have to go through that. No one on earth could have done it. Only Jesus, the man from heaven. He didn't have to do this. He could have called on all of the resources of heaven to get him out of there. Yet he chose to go through God's plan. God's plan for our salvation. Just as Jesus declared to the devil in the wilderness... It is written. So there is so much power in the Word of God. It is written. And we need to know what is written in the Scriptures and to declare it boldly as we did this morning. To fulfill the prophecies, to fulfill what was written and make a way not only for the Jews, but for all of us to come back to God the Father. Jesus was willing to go through betrayal, desertion, false accusations, humiliation, abandonment, and the most awful agonies. Hallelujah. What a savior. And then as he calmly questioned the need for force and the choice of time and place in the middle of the night, in a place where the crowds couldn't see, And he pointed out that they could have arrested him at any time when he was was preaching in the temple. We see Jesus calm, strong, in the knowledge that he was in God's will. And that God's will would be done through him. That those prophecies were being fulfilled and God's master plan was unfolding. There was no accident about this. God's master plan was unfolding. And then finally, as Jesus is led away, we read that all the disciples deserted him and fled. Not only Judas let Jesus down, every one of his disciples deserted him and fled. And we know that Peter would soon deny even knowing him. So what do we learn about Jesus from this passage, which we can apply to ourselves and our walk of faith? First of all, Jesus knew how to prepare himself for this ordeal. He turned to his Father and he wrestled in prayer. And we're so often slow, aren't we, to turn to prayer, to turn to God in situations. It's often the last ditch resort when all of our own efforts have failed. And yet, throughout his ministry, we see Jesus going off to a quiet place to pray. And we need to follow that example. And then this passage emphasizes his amazing love. Knowing what Judas had done, he could still call him friend. In the midst of that turmoil and confusion, in the arrest in the dark garden, he could still stretch out his hand to heal and to restore. And knowing what was to come, His love for us was so great that he was willing to go through that most awful ordeal so that God's will could be done. And then there's the betrayal of Judas, as prophesied, but also by all of his disciples who deserted him. Why did they do that? Would we have been any more faithful? How do we betray our Lord in our daily lives? Are we faithful followers, obedient to his word? Or do we crumble and desert him when we come up against opposition and difficulties? Do we spend time with Jesus? Do we just pay him lip service? Or do we truly seek to do his will? Do people even recognize us as followers of Jesus? as we go our own way and we blend into the world and do our own thing, interpreting his word to suit ourselves. The word pick and mix came to me as I was reading through that this morning. How often do we pick the bits out of the scriptures that we like and we don't pick out the bits that are harder and that we don't really want to do? Are we pick-and-mix Christians? A quote in my study Bible says, Jesus came as a servant. So many did not recognize him as Messiah. We too must be careful we don't reject God or his will just because he doesn't fit into our image of what God should be. Sometimes... As with Judas, who wanted Jesus to be a a mighty, conquering, army sort of person, Jesus doesn't quite fit what we want him to be. And therefore, we go off on another track and are disappointed. And most importantly for me, this passage reminded me of where my focus should be. I started off hot on the trail of Judas when I got the list that Mike sent out and I saw the one he'd given me, I thought, oh, no. And I spent a long time looking at Judas. And then I realized that what was most important was Jesus. Whole new denominations have started up. Vibrant churches have split when people have been sidetracked away from Jesus and on to doctrine, rules of law and tradition, general churchiness, religion, if you like, rather than faith in Jesus. Like the Pharisees and like the temple rulers in Jesus' time, we become blinded in our traditions and we miss the Messiah. And we don't want to miss the Messiah So as we come to the start of Lent on Wednesday, rather than giving up chocolate or something like that, let's make some time to go back to the basics. Let's make some time to focus back on Jesus, on who he is, on what he's done for us. Let's make sure that we're not missing the Messiah and that we have a fresh understanding of the Saviour's love for us. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. What a Saviour. Father, as we go deeper into your word and discover more and more of your love for us in Jesus, words cannot express our thanks. Give us a fresh understanding of what Jesus our Lord was willing to do for us, of his love for us and all mankind. Give us a boldness to stand up for you, to stand out in the world as your people, demonstrating your love and being obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.